things you shouldn't have seen. I'm gonna tell everyone what you did. That would be a major mistake. Hello and welcome to Hollywood RX. The doctors are in. I am your co-host Gregor Meyer. Joining me, as always, is the irrepressible Adam Dewey. Hello, kids. <clears throat> so, I, in my continued effort to play catch-up, I saw Sicario over the weekend. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad to hear it. <clears throat> I've been looking forward to talking to you about it. I will begin, I guess. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, you start. Uh, I, I, I found myself liking it very much, even though it didn't really surprise me in a lot of ways. Um... I found myself rooting for the Benizio, for the Benicio del Toro character. Okay. Um, so I don't know. If the ending was only compromised to me because I felt like, well, I know he's supposed to be wrong, but. <laughs> um. So that's yeah. interesting. You, you jumped right to the ending. You went, yeah, and then boom, you were already there. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. That's well, all right. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, no. That, 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 that's the that's starting point. That's your starting point. Okay. What was your overall feeling? How did you... Uh... Um, I was anticipating it quite uh, intently, intensely as well, um, largely because um, I, you know, <laughs> guilty pleasure or not, however you want to look at it, I would be willing to defend it. Maybe we'll have a special episode, but I'm a big fan of um, uh, what I call Live, Die, Repeat, but what the studio called Edge of Tomorrow or whatever the hell they called it. Oh, right. And I found her uh, really terrific in that in that movie, both, you know, uh, she had a backbone, but she had a soft side to her as well, which works for both male heroes as well as females. And uh, I just thought she did a terrific job in that. Yeah, and, she was um, amazing. She was amazing. And I thought that it, uh, you know, I thought when I saw that she was cast in Sicario, I thought, you know what, I'm sure that that was off the strength of the vibe she got, gave off in, uh, in Tomorrow. So I was looking forward to it for that. I do like uh, Benicio del Toro. He of the mumble his lines uh, school. Uh, a little bit of him goes kind of a long way for me, but I find him very interesting, and I like to see what he's doing. Josh Brolin is a very solid actor; does really interesting uh, work, I think. Um, yeah, and, and absolutely does, loved him in this. Yeah, and does, loved he doesn't just rely on his good looks, and you know, phone it in from there. <clears throat> and, yeah. and he's like he's like um, like 1940s movie star handsome, I think, sort of almost in the George Clooney category. Um, as far as his good looks are concerned. Um, so yeah. I had a lot of anticipation going into it, and I think it's good that it's been a couple of weeks since I saw it, since I've gotten a chance to, to calm down a little bit about it, uh, over <laughs> how I felt at, at, at first. But um, again, I would rather see a movie like this where... Um, where they have some typical uh, staples of action or a genre or whatever, but then also have um, uh, take the time to ask some questions that maybe they don't immediately give answers to or that they make you think or sort some things out on your own. So I'm not, I don't want to be spoon fed everything. Sometimes things go a little too far for me, sometimes they don't in terms of uh, leaving things ambiguous or something. 
And so, uh, largely I enjoyed the performances individually. I had some concerns about how they gelled together, and we can talk more about that as we, as we go along. Why don't you throw a little example into the pot? Okay, well, <clears throat> um, I, I did not enjoy the way you did, I think, the way you did. Um, the shift in perspective that happens, you know what, I'm just going to stop before I say anything more than that and just once again go, mild spoilers for now and then probably wicked spoilers later so anyone who has stumbled in here sort of by accident and doesn't understand what we're doing we're assuming people have either seen this or don't care what we say in terms of revealing points and so on and so forth so um, at a certain point the movie shifts from essentially from one character's perspective to another and I did not feel that that shift had been earned I felt like it was somewhat arbitrary and, and it did not satisfy me, and I didn't feel like it shifted back in an effective way either. And so, um, in a structural way, I had a, I had a problem with that, certainly. Um, I can understand that, but I felt like, uh, given the history, the backstory that we got on his character, yes. that kind of made me just want to root for him, whatever he was going to do. Right. And I, so I'm kind of glad, frankly, that that we got a little uh, granted it was quite extended yeah I, I guess I would agree with that it didn't really merit uh, perhaps but it was viscerally oh, uh, fantastic sequence fantastic it's funny to to have such a feeling of this, sort of the sense of this isn't fair that they've done this and at the same time go but oh my god I'm loving it so uh, definitely they've created a sort of a torn nature in me. Um, you know, um, I thought, yeah, Josh Brolin is terrific. I mean, here's the thing. To me, like some of the writing was like sort of clumsy and awkward in places and some of the structure was clumsy and awkward. Uh, some of that could be editing or whatever. But then you have from time to time, you have like just like a one small detail sort of thing or whatever it is. And who knows where it came from, whether it was out of Brolin or if it was in the script to begin with or that it was a touch added by the director or costumer or whatever. But the fact that James Brolin is wearing flip-flops when we first see him is an astonishingly wonderful character thing. Oh, yeah. I, that I, I, I fell is in love with him. Fantastic. It says yeah. so much more in a, in a soundless shot where you don't even see a person's face yeah. to communicate who that guy is in that setting. Oh, just you know. as soon as we had the reveal of him, and he was in like a, a you know a t-shirt and an untucked button and yeah, on yeah. The table, like just like yeah, it's like oh, he's that guy in right. this operation. Right, right. So, um, so that kind of thing, I have a great yeah. deal of respect for, where it communicates, it communicates a lot if you're willing to involve yourself and and figure out what that means or what that could mean. Um, so I thought that was right. terrific, and that we discover the sh the shoes with her. You know, it's it's a POV shot, that um, <clears throat> that really helps connect me to her character. Um, but I I I just found that like 
like if we were going to jump to other characters' points of views later, that I felt like that needed to get established as a a mechanism earlier in the story. Um, uh, one thing that comes to mind, for example, is not exactly the same thing, but um, uh, the place beyond the pines. Did you ever see that with uh, Ryan Gosling yes. and others yes. who are good? <laughs> I can't yeah. think of a. Uh, maybe Ava. Oh, this is terrible. I should see. I feel like I should see it again. Um, but that movie had. Uh, oh wait, there's a guy in that I love. Oh shit, I'm not gonna remember. Uh, ben Mendelsohn is in that. Friggin' Ooh. Ben Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Uh, who is in Animal Kingdom, and he's he was in something on Netflix which every human being should watch called Bloodline or Bloodlines is a fantastic, I think, Australian actor, and he's in, he was in Edge of Tomorrow as well. He plays this sort of scientist who has the, uh, who, who's like, you know, on the base, and they sort of find him, and they go to a secret room, and he shows them sort of a, an impossible graphic display, and they meet him several times in that movie. He's a fantastic actor. And he was in that place behind the pines, or beyond the pines as well. Eva Mendez, I think, was in it. Uh, anyway, that movie had, it was basically broken into thirds and told a, a continuing story from different characters' points of view throughout a multi-decade, you know, thing. So there were definitely perspective shifts, but it sort of earned them. And even though I didn't really care for it there either, um, I respected the, the structure of it or the choice of it. Um, where here it just seemed a little bit more random. Um, <clears throat> it was a little more random here. Speaking of perspective shifts, just to yeah, some recent context, um, and again to touch on Josh Brolin, how did you feel about Blue Country for Old Men? You know, I that's just one of those ones I have to go back and look at again. My recollection is that I liked it a great deal. Um, that um, oh yeah, not only that yeah, perspective shifts of course the way it bounces around between these. Yeah, you know what? And and friggin' Benicio del Toro could have played uh, Sugar, couldn't he? He could have yeah. played that uh, part pretty easily. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot, and I had none of those concerns. I felt like there it was built into the DNA of that thing that it was going to bounce around, and it was fine. They established it early enough, probably, and I was very interested in each of the people that they were going to. I was invested in all of them, and so for me that really did play out. I'm afraid I'm going to say all this and you're going to go, I hated it. But uh, I don't think that the end, you know, the end was a little too ambiguous for me, but uh, essentially I'm, I, was, I was fine with that movie and would recommend it to someone. What was your take? On Plenty for the Pines? No, or no, no. Old Country for uh, Old Men. I mean, uh, that's, that's uh, also, I, wait a minute, <laughs> isn't that also Josh Brolin? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All right, so Josh Brolin, who's the uh, the Spaniard, I, whose name escapes me at the moment? Um, oh, uh, uh, Javier Bardem. Right. And then uh, the old cranky American coot. Tommy, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, of course. Uh, so what was your take on that? Now. What was your take on that? He's going to beat us up now. He is. He's going to actually, he's going to creep into our bedrooms at night and kill us in our no, sleep. No, 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 just like on the carpet sometime. Oh, okay. He'll just pop its one <laughs> in a right. restaurant. Yeah. Uh, so what was your take on on uh, Old Country? No Country. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, man. Yeah. Um, I, I liked it tremendously when I saw it, and I like it uh, each time more every time I see it. Um, 
I like the perspective shift in that movie because it sort of because of the way it tied in with the narration. It, yeah, I think it made you question really who was the main character. Yeah, like who has the real arc in the story versus the person we've been following. Right. But uh, yeah, it was very interesting. I, yeah. I, 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 I felt I felt like it was almost like a more successful Fargo. Wow, that's a uh, well a more mature. No, but well, I wouldn't say mature necessarily. Okay. But I felt like it. Because uh, I'm, I, I'm gonna. I, I felt yeah. I felt like Fargo. Fargo changed like flipped lots of the tone <laughs> so well. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm probably you know what I'm, I'm. I wasn't prepared to talk about it, so I shouldn't really. Uh, oh, you brought it up. No. Okay. Well, hang on a Fargo. second. First We're of all, Fargo, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, clearly. All right. I have to say, Fargo also has lots of perspective shifts. I think Fargo is fucking fantastic, and uh, that it's it got the sense pretty, of humor. It it's got the darkness. It's got lots of goodness. Uh, terrific performances. Um, and I would, uh, you know, the the the. Cohen brothers have made, I don't know, a dozen or so movies, and I would say they probably have a, a handful of them that are straight out, you know, perfection, in one way or another. So you know, they're they're very high on my list of directors, and I'm always interested in seeing what they've done. I don't always like what they've done, but uh, certainly No Country, just a better Fargo, just that set me off a little bit. But uh, sorry, I give I, that's all right. I give them both props. And you don't have to go into it any more than that. Just a general <clears throat> overview of it. So, um, I wasn't sure that I was really like in, like getting involved with these people. You know, I can love uh, Josh Brolin. I'm now switching back to Sicario. Sicario. Yeah. I can love him. I can love the character he's playing. But I wasn't really kind of invested or connected to that character. And uh, you know, uh, Benicio's character is, is is as ever kind of a cipher or a mystery or whatever. And so it's hard to get, it's, you know, you can, you start to, once you start hearing more about his story, you get a little more interested in, and feeling connected to him. So it really falls to, to uh, Emily Blunt to carry uh, the, 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 the bulk of our uh, emotional investment, or at least from my perspective. And I didn't, because she was playing such an innocent, such a, a, a naive person, um, it was it was hard for me because a lot of her her um, position was just to sit back and observe, and if she had any reaction, it was almost always largely the same reaction, which is, "Hey, you're not allowed to do that." That yeah. you know she was being made uncomfortable, so I wasn't seeing enough of a change or a difference or a whatever in her um, to really sort of get locked into her her arc there. I mean, I find it hard to believe that <clears throat> that. She, Look, if, if she presumably... As an FBI agent. As an FBI agent. She presumably lives in the world in which we both live. Because right. everything else was our world. Except in her world, the movie Serpico doesn't exist. Right. You know, or, or any, any of the popular culture, any of the exposés, any of the autobiographical books that describe what happens in these situations. She has none of those things to reference. The Departed. She, it's not even there. So... So I, I just don't believe in her in the sense that how can she have that position but still be a person 
who lives in this world and has achieved the level she achieved. That couldn't be the first time she'd gotten uh, come across people who didn't play by the rules. Well, yeah, I mean, because she, because this is taking place in the real world that you and I live in, even if, you know, she hasn't seen those movies, that's fine. Just the fact that she's, you know, <laughs> presumably worked cases, right. that were just desk cases, and she's been out in the field, she, she's high-ranking enough to get in big trouble, then, you know, uh, so... Where on earth, what office could she possibly be working out of? And, and the, the darker side of human nature is not. It does not exist. Yeah. Yes, uh, 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 yes, that's, that's, we are in agreement on that point. I do have a little bit of a, also a, a, a concern here, and I'm hoping, I, this is another one of those situations where I'm hoping you can help me understand. Oh. <clears throat> because there's a, there's a vital plot point that I don't get. First of all, they made sure because they were shutting her out of understanding why she was with them. Yes. That we were also unclear why she was with them for a very long time. And I'm not sure why they shut her out of that information. What was the upside for them in keeping her in the dark? Because then she's only bound to get in the way and mess things up. Well, that's, that, that is a good uh, logic to make. I... I kind of filled in the blanks while I was watching it and just thought that for some nominal reason she's like in charge like she's supposed to be in charge of the operation but she's just sort of along to observe an intelligence gather or something I, I, I noticed that she wasn't doing anything but it didn't quite bother me I mean I got caught up so much in whatever uh, localized action they were doing at the moment. And yes. I, I, I was distracted enough that, that I didn't really question it too much. By the time it came up, I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I, I bought it. Well, I, I didn't care for that element because I didn't understand how doing that... Okay, look. I understand not wanting us to know. I even understand not wanting her to know. Right. But, but I don't understand how picking her was helping them and here's what I will say this is what I mean is that <clears throat> by all accounts she was a an FBI agent who had spent uh, her career having uh, no small level of accomplishment and also uh, um, <clears throat> and also keeping her nose clean and making good decent honest choices she didn't have a record that was covered with uh, turning, looking the other way and uh, turning her back on situations and so on and so forth. She was essentially a good cop. And she was at a bus that went wrong, but she didn't go, she didn't do anything wrong, uh, particularly. Um, yeah. I, and so I, I didn't understand why they targeted her, why they handpicked her. You mean to tell me there's not an FBI guy who's got a little bit of a reputation for being a little bit, you know, questionable in his methods, that it would be easier to get him along if all you really need is for him to sign a form that says, yeah, they follow the rules. Yeah. So, I, I was a little, I was a little, I, I wasn't quite sold on why why her, why it why, had to be her. Why well, no, yeah, well, basically what their motivation was in sort of, you know, getting her 
you know, get, getting her out of the way for a while. Well, my like, 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 oh, no, I, I mean, see. Like from their perspective, like, okay, what, what did she like? What were the consequences of finding all these bodies that suddenly made the department like look bad? Have to take the fall for something? Like, I just. Am I am I off base here? Uh, you're not that... off base, but I felt like I felt like the thing was being was going more from the other side. I thought that Brolin and his comp and his group were looking for someone to bring with them simply so that that someone could say everything was done by the book and then cover everyone's ass. She just feels like the wrong character for that. Now, if what it was is that she was in charge on the ground in that spot. And then everything went bad when they found the bodies and there was the, there was the explosion. <clears throat> if that's the case, and so she became the sort of poster child for that situation, and she needed to be, it, it, it sort of blew up into a, an interdepartmental, you know, it, it was not only the local cops or the, the FBI, but it also then had to be sort of DEA or whatever the other side of it was. If, if two agencies were being forced to cooperate with each other, and so she sort of got got pinned into the middle and really probably shouldn't have been there but was the one who had to do it then set that the fuck up I don't want to have to try to figure that part of it out yes that is yes that's a little too much work for me to want to do and if and if she was hand if she was cherry picked by by uh you know that it wasn't a forced into it situation, but cherry picked by James Brolin and friends. Then, then why did they pick her? Because she didn't serve the purpose that they needed her for. So I just never understood. Um, I think the I think the idea that she was forced into it somehow makes more sense in terms of how they behave towards her throughout. But I just kept asking myself, why is this her that's in this thing? Why are we watching her journey? Or lack of a journey as the case may be because she didn't really change she was essentially oh. at the end in my mind the same person likely to make the same decisions as she was before well I don't know I, I, I think the movie ended with her being a little more compromised oh well I yes compromised by letting, by letting him go the way that she does, I think, is the movie's way of saying that's yeah. Her her oh. instinct, her instinct would be to take him down. Yeah, but, but instead, but instead, she she lets him go. But given that's where she, compromise. Mm, she, she's compromised, she's compromised. See. She's compromised her her morals. Okay, as I far didn't... as what this job is all about. Or, or as another character put it, what 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 they dreamed about this job would be. Okay, I, I didn't feel like she, um, I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like she compromised herself in that instance because I felt as though, um, from where she was standing and from where he was standing, she didn't have an opportunity to arrest him or detain him or bring him to some kind of justice. Her only option at that point was to execute him, and he had not done something that was um, that level of, of violation, other than to her personally, essentially, but in a sort of a, a much more intimate way. But um, 
to me, she chose not to kill a guy outright by shooting him in the back. No, he turned and looked at her. She could have shot. see that as her compromising herself, making that choice. I understand exactly what you're saying, and I will give that some more thought. Um, <clears throat> but if you're going to end up having her compromise herself, I think there's a bunch of different, more interesting ways you could have gotten to that, rather than essentially drop her out of the story for the last 15 minutes and then pop her back in for one scene. Oh, it wasn't 15 minutes. Oh, yeah, okay. I can see you're determined to not <laughs> not take my <laughs> bullshit today. Um, no, 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 look, it's look. not true. Okay, in not terms of true. jumping around that from perspectives, yes. Going back to perspectives, and this will serve what I was just saying, and then you were just, uh, uh, what do you call that, uh, countermanding. No, um, uh, oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, um, jumping from one perspective to another is certainly not owned by those movies that we just talked about. It is a, a, a tool that's used all over the place in action and thrillers and, and even in dramas, whatever it is, because you will be in a tense situation and then you will cut to a separate situation and cover that for a little while and and what that does in the, in the viewer is it builds up uh, anxiety about what's going on in the thing I'm not seeing. And then when you cut back to the first thing, then part of your brain is worrying about what's going on in the second thing I was seeing. So cutting between areas of action is age-old, and, and it, consequently that's different perspectives when you're doing that. And so uh, we're not talking about that sort of simple level of it, but certainly, <clears throat> certainly I felt like when we switched over to his point of view and the mission that he was on, it would have been extraordinarily helpful to me to cut in and out of that, possibly, to see what was going on with the other characters at the same time, rather than just leave everybody. Because, well, because she, to me, she essentially fell out of the story at that point and didn't come back until he found her. Now, I could be misremembering because it's been a while since I saw it. Uh, I don't know if it's 15 minutes. I'm, I'm backing off on the 15-minute claim, but I, I think that that's... Being didactic there, yeah, I think... I'm just saying, yeah. I'm just saying, I think it was more like maybe seven or eight minutes. Like, okay. But it was, but yeah, I mean, it does it does diverge a little bit. Right. I'm just saying it wasn't like Antonio or something. Okay. Um, do, we um, go, do we go and see everything he does... And then come back and find them outside the cave? I don't think so. I think uh, we see he's going off on a thing, and then we yeah, come and... there was and... a little bit of a time jump there, wasn't there? Uh, there was something going there. I just felt that she fell, she fell out of the movie completely, and then just popped back up again at the end. Regardless of the number of minutes, I felt her absence... And, sorry, sorry. and wondered what she was doing on what she was doing during that time. Like what happened to that thread? Um, and you know, James Brolin equally disappears, but I didn't care as much about him and what became of him. I don't know. No, I I, I, I agree with you. It was a very selective diversion, and it seemed like yes, like in retrospect, it could have been handled. Better. There could have been yeah. some more interesting things I, I sort to of, break it up. But, and maybe there was, I mean, maybe they had to, you know, trim it from late. So they, they, possibly. Now, I, I had done some research since I saw it, and I did learn a little bit that kind of helped me understand a, a little bit more maybe some of the sort of shape of it that was, that was uh, kind of bothering me a little bit. And basically what it comes down to is that the movie was sort of a two-hander 
it was her character and it was the Benicio del Toro character. I think we were supposed to have sent I think it was supposed to be a little more to their well, connection. That's I what I was a, that's what I was hoping for. But Benicio del Toro has a So that when he shoots her, it's like a big deal. <laughs> yes. Um, because to me, that's what ju- that's what justified going off on that tangent. I see. If he had just gone away, if he had just gotten away before, yes. took off, or he, right? You know, but the fact that he that he shot her, that was that was yes. a little shocking. Um, I, I agree so with shocking, I, and I that, so I forgave the diversion because I wanted to see how that all played yeah. out, like everyone else. I mean, yeah, like everyone. My 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 feeling was similar to yours in that I sort of wanted to see um, her become kind of fascinated with him and the two of them begin to develop a relationship. I don't mean a uh, a sensual relationship or no, no, a boyfriend no, girlfriend thing that. at all, but no, just down, something more intense than what they yeah. had. And that yeah. and that eventually his line, you know, you remind me of I think it was my daughter, he says. I'm not no, sure. He, no, he doesn't say it. He just says you remind me of someone he reminds special. Me of someone special. special to me. But I'm saying that if 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 we had seen more between them that would have had more power. But here's what Benicio del Toro did, which is what he does, I think, notoriously in most of the films he works on, is he goes in and he redlines every single uh, line of dialogue that he thinks can be cut out. And about 80% of his character's dialogue was removed from the script before they shot it. And this is not uncommon with him. So presumably he did a lot more talking. Presumably it was he who spoke about his back, his, his past. As it is now, it's, it's talked about by other characters, which I think is stronger. It is much stronger. But, um, <clears throat> but when you're so determined to have your character not say things it's hard to do some of that other stuff that we're talking right. about um and yeah i would have i think i would have enjoyed it more if i'd if i had sort of been seeing a, more of a connection between the two of them absolutely um and 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 <clears throat> what, what was the percentage of dialogue that uh, emily blunt took out i don't know <laughs> i don't know Maybe not. It didn't say in this thing I read. It could have just been the trivia on uh, IMDb. I don't know where. No, I saw no. It. I say I say that because I say that because by that account, it, it makes it sound to me like his character was had more real estate in the movie. I think he did. Version. So I'm kind of curious. Okay, well, if they cut that much out of his character and it's supposedly her movie, what they cut out of hers? Because. I I don't know. I, I'm not fully following your logic. If they cut all of his stuff out and they cut all of her stuff out, they'd have a movie that was too short. They may have given her more. Well, that's just it. Is what I'm saying is I'm wondering if there's more of her we didn't see. Maybe it's going to be at the thing or something. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. Um, but I think that... See, look, God bless actors and God bless Benicio Del Toro, but... And I don't think that a screenwriter like, oh my God, every single comma, every single semicolon, whatever, every single carriage return is all perfect and can't be touched or altered in any way. I understand that it's essentially a blueprint, but it's not, you can't just go into a blueprint and go, well, let's take out this load-bearing wall. 
without affecting the construction and, and how something stands up. And so even if you're working with the writer and um, make those kind of wholesale changes, I do think it is at the expense of the overall uh, story sometimes. But who knows what really happened. All in all, I think it's worth watching. Um, and I generally liked it. But um, I, I did, did too. I thought, I thought it was incredibly smartly directed. Yes. However, that said, it did, it did do a perspective jump that I absolutely hated. Uh-oh. Absolutely hated. Um, that scene where they, were, uh, they, where they were trying to get out of Mexico and then they get stuck on line and... Uh, yes. At the border... Yes, fantastic sequence in general, but yes. But, you know, well, yes, it was. But I feel like we never should have cut into the car of the hitman. The whole thing should have been from the perspective of the Americans. And as much of her as possible, you know, as much Agreed. as from her perspective as possible. But the tension in that scene really is are they are are they aren't they and how's this going to go down with people around? right right and, and that's it, all I, I don't know i feel like it's to, to to project it to to project to project that solely from the one side gives it attention because if they're wrong right uh, there, there was an element of mystery to it for you, and that as soon as we cut inside that other car, you've lost that element of mystery, and so yes. the sequence not is not operating on as high an octane as it could be no. um, if you hadn't been given that piece of information. It's <clears throat> true. I it, totally it, understand. It didn't, it didn't jerk me out the way it did for you, but I totally uh, understand and, and agree with you uh, that that is a uh, a choice that. You know, it's a choice they made, and arguably it was a good one, um, or arguably it was not a good well, one. Well, okay. uh, let me back up. I shouldn't say I hated it. Okay. Well, just I just I was, I was like, ah, right. I wish I wish we had just, if we're seeing this through her eyes, then at the very least we should never you know the story right. in a global sense. If we're seeing it, especially at that point, if we're seeing it through her eyes, then. Uh, it should have been consistent with that. Scene. Uh, I I am with you on that. Um, so while we're talking about that sequence or just whatever, I don't know. I wanted to touch for a second. I don't usually talk about this kind of stuff, um, but uh, I want to talk about the cinematography, which I thought was just gorgeous and striking. I thought it was really well shot. Where did you Where do you stand on that? Um, yeah, flawless. I yeah. There, there wasn't. It wasn't a moment I didn't uh, that I didn't agree with the visual logic of, and I didn't think was was beautifully handled. Yeah, right. It was uh, thumbs up. I really like the score too. Uh, yeah, I was going to come to the score in a second. Roger Deakins uh, is the cinematographer, and I don't have for some reason I I am not able to pull up my IMDb and get a hold of all my notes, but um, he's just done a ton. I mean, he is. He is behind so many movies that are uh, just, you know, top-notch work. I only wish I could I could actually see them right now. That would make it uh, that much better. But, um, <clears throat> um, yeah, to talk about the 
music for a minute. I had a couple other scenes and characters I wanted to talk about, but talk to a little bit about the music. I think you're better at that kind of thing than I am. Um, I did see it, and I'll tell you what I thought, or I did notice it and tell you what I thought after you go. Um, well, I would be amazed if we had the same reactions, but um, <laughs> I was, uh, no, I was just, uh, th there were uh, there were chords, there were small passages that reminded me of very specific pieces of music, um, some like from The Shining, and uh, I can't remember the other one off the top of my head, but... Um, it worked very, very well. It was on the verge of getting a little too, a little too techno-y. Like, sometimes Soderbergh kind of yeah. lets that pump and music take over. And I felt like there was a point or two where it was on the verge of doing it, but it didn't. Right. Um, I, but I made a point of uh, staying in it. I stayed in the theater because I wanted to see him. Oh, yeah. Johan Johansson. I don't know who he is. Oh, I want to talk a little bit about John Barenthal. Who uh, was, uh, had a very, uh, you know, uh, a section of uh, the movie I've, apparently I'm very bad at estimating the amount of screen time, but I'm going to go ahead and call it 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> that's going to be my go-to amount of screen time from now on. And uh, and he does, a, he does a really solid job. I was, he was a, I was a fan of his. Uh, from from The Walking Dead, and uh, am always eager to see what he's doing, and I think he does a, I think he does a terrific job. I think he did a great job here, um, being both sort of sexy and scary, at the same time. And uh, I found that scene that he was in, uh, with her in particular, at the very end of their uh, time together, I thought he was just fantastic, and and uh, I, I love that sequence. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, I'm on board. Okay. Uh, totally on board. Um, it's interesting though, um, because if you want to talk about a character who, uh, really didn't have much, uh, much of a reason to be there, it was certainly, uh, uh, Daniel Kalua, is that his name? Uh, he did he play her partner? Her partner, the driver. Yes. <clears throat> well, <laughs> I think he was her partner who happened to drive, but um, yeah, I'm not quite sure what they were doing with him, other than you know how Disney will sometimes give a princess a talking rabbit. <laughs> you calling him the talking rabbit of the well, story? Well, sort of. I mean, in some ways. In some ways, I think he's maybe meant to reflect who she was, and so that as it goes through, and like there's a point at which he's asking her, "Hey, what's going on here?" and she gives him these curt, kind of non-specific, unhelpful answers that she was getting from everyone else. She doesn't turn to him and go, "The fuck if I know." So right. the fact that she starts talking like these guys who have such murky morality is a right. little indication that she's stepping away from where she was, and so he would then indicate where she started. Okay, yeah, no, 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 I understand structurally okay. why he was there. I just meant in terms of the story, like, it was It was even more of, I mean, they even set it up in the beginning, like, yeah, you're not on the list, she's okay. Yeah, and... Yes, Clarence, you don't. 
So I, I wasn't quite, I didn't quite buy him sort of nudging his way into tagging along. Yes, it did seem odd to me when he ended up with them during that one sequence late in the film. I'm like, why would they let him be there? What is the possible purpose for that? Did you find uh, Roger Deakins? Oh yeah, well he's done. Um, yeah, he's done all the Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, it's incredible. Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, he's uh, True he's Grit, uh, Skyfall, Prisoners, which is also by the same director. We can touch on him in a second. Uh, just it goes on and on. It's insane. Uh, what he's done in the Valley of uh, Elah, No Country, there he comes up again. Uh, the Village, on and on. Jesus Christ, this guy. Um, <laughs> but come on, A Beautiful Mind. I mean, there are so many movies in here that are sort of top-notch, uh, you know, uh, uh, picture of the year type contenders that you go, how does one man get involved in all that stuff? It's incredible. The Big Lebowski, you're right, he did. Wow, he goes deep with them. He did Fargo. Holy cow. He did, he did the Hudsucker proxy. <laughs> yes, I see that. Oh my god. Just I, 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 I took note of his I took note of his name because of that movie. Yeah, oh wow, that's cool. Because uh they they I don't know how well you recall it, but there are these uh shots like through the executive windows. In the background there's yeah. Manhattan and uh, it's obviously like, you know, a large scale model, but right. Shot in a way that it like it conveyed that 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 haze, that muggy summer Manhattan <laughs> haze. That's awesome. There was like there, there, there was there, there was like a definite gradation of fogginess and how visible the buildings were. Yeah. Even though it was recreated on the studio, it was amazing. So right. anyway, yeah, he uh, he's the man. So uh, man. so just to touch briefly on the director uh, Denis Villeneuve. Yes. I think, or Villeneuve, I'm not sure, probably Villeneuve, um, who also did Prisoners, which we touched on briefly, which featured Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Viola Davis, Emmy winner Viola Davis, and uh, Maria Bello, Terrence Howard, a long list there of uh, uh, terrific people. Uh, did you see The Prisoner, or did you see uh, Prisoners? Prisoners? No, I did not. Why am I not? Why am I blanking on this movie? I don't know. I did see it, and uh, I I am having trouble forgetting it. Oh, who did I leave out? Paul Dano is in it. That's almost possibly the most important name to mention of all those other ones. In Prisoners? In Prisoners. Um, I would say go see it, because you saw this one, and you have... I, I think he's done four or five films, and, and prior to Prisoners, they were all pretty well independent and from what I can gather in my research a little sort of even more offbeat and it's kind of esoteric and and uh, and open-ended probably <clears throat> but uh, Prisoners was a real uh, grind of a movie to watch it was very it was like where does your responsibilities lie and what is okay to do in the name of uh saving someone or in the name of revenge or whatever it's very um <clears throat> a very sort of sobering piece if i uh recall correctly and i had a hard time watching it but i can't say it's because it didn't do a good job it did almost too good a job wow okay um anyway that's uh, that was dennis's previous work and i think he does really interesting and, and solid work here i would be keen to see you know whatever he comes up with next um, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, Sicario 2 is in uh, development. 
No, it is not. It is absolutely. It was announced one month after the film was released in theaters. They announced that they were doing a sequel. There is no real information available about it, like, you know, that would help clarify, uh, like, plot or the whatever. Yeah, or, or cast or anything. Yeah, it just says, you know, the continuation of the war between the U.S. and Mexico and the border, blah, blah, blah. So that's not especially helpful with uh, regards to anything there. But um, <clears throat> there is one sort of last kind of a spoiler moment, and I'm not sure if, I, if we really want to talk about it at all. Um, it was kind spoiler. of the... Well, I, I'm going to let you... Uh, you can say, hey, no, keep it to yourself, Julie, and, and I can cer certainly step away from this without, without going there. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, it is basically the climax of, um, of Benicio Del Toro's character's uh, little uh, escapade, his mission. Yes. Um, there's, you know, a fantastic kind of stealth sort of sequence that gets him into a... Uh, situation into a room face to face with the man he has been hunting for and that he's looking to um, exact revenge which is apparently some sort of a, a theme for uh, the director um, that he's drawn to uh, oh okay that's all I need to know about that one okay um, <laughs> and so he has a scene with this guy and uh, I don't know that I want to go into too much more about that setting unless you say let her rip and then I'll let her rip uh, let her rip. Well, I... Wait, 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 wait. wait. Which one are we talking about? We're talking about Sicario? Yeah, we're talking about Sicario. Benicio Del Toro is not in Prisoners, but Prisoners has a lot of revenge as thematic okay. elements. Okay, well, well, don't spoil Prisoners, for God's sake. Oh, no, so you I, want, you, I, I wasn't started, going okay. to. No, no, no. I, all right, I just have to, to, to check here. Oh, my God, that's funny. All right, no, I'm talking about Sicario, and I'm talking about Benicio Del Toro on the veranda, the sort of dining area of the veranda, in that house in Mexico. Yes. Uh, facing down his, his, you know, mortal enemy. Yes. <clears throat> and um, exacting his revenge. And I was completely spellbound by that conversation they have at the dinner table. And I was completely horrified by the events that occurred at the end. Um, uh, there was just drop-dead silence in the theater when I saw that movie in, during that scene. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a tremendously powerful scene, and it was not overwritten in the least. Um, Exceptionally well-written. Yeah, it was... Um, uh, you know, just pin drop silence after the the you know gun gunplay is over, um, and I don't. I'm not a person who sits here and says, "Oh, they shouldn't have done that. You can't do that in a movie." And da 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 da. I'm like, we had all kinds of stuff. Oh my God, we've completely forgotten about an element here. I can't believe we didn't talk about this at all. I'm sorry to get off that, but that was. That to me, I, I couldn't bring, I couldn't in my heart bring it to say, I, God knows if anyone's going to listen to this uh, at all, let alone someone who hasn't seen the movie, but uh, I would be open to discussing it more maybe on a subsequent show when I wasn't worried that people were seeing it in a theater or something. But uh, what the fuck with the, the cop 
and his kid. That's the perspective shift. That's the perspective shift that they were sort of, uh, to me, since that came at the very beginning or very near the beginning, they bought the right to do that with him. But every time they went back to that guy and his kid, I'm like, what are we doing with these people? Did I lose oh, you? that cop. I thought you meant, uh, no. what's his name? I meant the, the Mexican uh, cop with his soccer-playing oh, yeah, 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 son. Yeah. And I thought, well, okay, I don't know who this guy is, but, you know, one scene, that's fine. I guess I'll find out who he is later on. And then we have another scene, which is almost a carbon copy of the first one. Uh, like, it could have been shot the same morning, or it could be a continuation of that, even though many days or weeks have gone by in the, in the other part of the story. And then we yeah. come back, and it's a third scene, which is almost the same as the first one. And I just started to go, I, I don't know what we're doing here. And, and moreover, I'm starting to get annoyed. Well, I just assumed that they all lived in that one room. <laughs> I don't care. Why am I seeing them? There are a ton of people in Juarez that live in one room. Why was I seeing them? It was left as yes. a mystery for was, so long. Was, that's very true. Yeah. And, in and fact, you could have you could have really eliminated all of that. You you, you, you very know, you very seriously just, could have eliminated it structurally. It was tied into thematic elements that he was following. Um, well, okay, yes, but I feel like we didn't need to see anything with him and the kid. It still would have worked if the cop that he just randomly gets to, to, to drive him out there says, hey, man, I'm a father. I don't want to die. Right. It still ties in when he has the conversation with the guy at the dinner table. And yes. You didn't, you didn't have all these, like, these jolting diversions to... A character we don't know who it is. And yes, but the first time we see him, it's 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 almost implied or suggested that he's you know somehow responsible or tied in with the bodies in the wall right. that they find in the beginning of the movie. It's a, a sinister implication. Yeah, you know, we find out he's a cop. It's a big reveal. Yeah, we haven't or it's supposed to be because we haven't really been invested with him. He's just sort of like, yeah, okay, why we keep going back to this guy. You well, could, yeah, my my argument is you could have you could have just eliminated all those scenes of him and his kid. Well, I'm going to say that if if your goal as the filmmaker is to end the movie on this beat of here is this family and the 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 mate the, the patriarch of this family is now dead or at least missing. They either he's gone and they don't know where where he is or when he's coming back, or they know he's dead but they're going on with their lives and the kid's going to go play soccer anyway and everyone is standing there at the soccer game cheering and watching what's going on and sort of having quote-unquote normal life and then they all pause for a second when there's gunfire in the distance and they all look the other way and when the gunfire stops they turn back and they continue with their normal life and the idea here is hey yeah. everything we saw doesn't matter a bit because life down there is exactly the same as it was um, and so you can't do that scene if that's I mean that's what they're sending us out of the theater with that's their final word you can't do that scene if you haven't set up the sun at least somewhat more than just hey I have a kid yeah true I guess but if you're gonna set that sun up and you're gonna switch that character have there be more development because by the time we got to the second scene with the sun uh, which was almost identical to the first I knew everything about the two of them I needed to now I need to know something more so as long as uh, James Brolin has uh, forced his way into the conversation several times, no, he's come up a couple of times, I think it's worthwhile spending a, a couple of minutes anyway um, talking about 
Uh, another film that he's in that's in theaters right now that we both saw some weeks back, uh, Everest. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Um, <laughs> it was... Uh, that's got a... Uh, that's another one of these movies that has just an incredible cast. Uh, you know, on paper, you look at it and you go, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well... Uh, yeah. tr true enough. Uh, true enough. Let me see here. I gotta. I gotta. Uh, here, we've got Jason Clark in there. Who's that? Who I like a lot. Uh, well, he uh, he's sort of the main guide in Everest, the one with oh, the sure. one okay. with the wife and the kid. But he has been. He was in Zero Dark Thirty, uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, he was in. Oh, sure, 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 of course. One of those Terminator films. I can't seem to think of which one it was, but, um, you know, uh, Terminator Genesis, I think he was in. Had a very uh, big part in that, too. He's, uh, and he, he, oh, he was in this really neat little, um, uh, what would you call that? It's a TV show. It's like a cop show that only had one season. Oh, called The Chicago Code is what it was called. And it had Jennifer Beals in it, and uh, I don't know who else was in that. A um, bunch of different people. But uh, I, that's where I sort of first took notice of him. Uh, that was uh, Chicago Code was back in 2011. Um, but he's, he's really uh, come up since then. So you've got him. You've got uh, who else? Um, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. John Hawks. The fantastic John Hawks is in this movie. John Hawks, uh, gotta love him. Do you have uh, movies of his that come to mind for you? Uh, no. He was I... recently. He was in the Sessions, which I did not see not too long ago. With uh, he played a paraplegic to um, to Helen Hunt's um, sex therapist, or you know whatever sex surrogate. In that, I believe he was probably nominated for that. Um, he is just one of these guys who everything he does is friggin' uh, awesome uh, in terms of his work in it. Almost like Ben Mendelsohn to bring him back. I'm trying to see what else he's done that you might remember. Um, well, he was in Lincoln, but I'm sure you can't, you won't be able to pull him out of that. He's a supporting guy, so he blends in. Did you ever see Martha Marcy May Marlene in 2011? No, and I wanted to. Oh, dude, you should track that down. It's certainly worth looking at it's it's creepy but he's terrific in that as like a cult leader um and um elizabeth olsen is a revelation in that thing uh so definitely catch up with that when you can really okay um, yeah i highly recommend it uh that one um <clears throat> so that's who are we just talking about i can't remember now john hawks oh john hawks so he's he's to me he's like great in everything he does I think he might have been in Winter's Bone as well. I'm not sure, which hmm. was the, I think, introducing uh, Lawrence, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. So um, he's all over the place with that. Uh, Michael Kelly is in this. He's a sort of a, one of those character actors who you've seen a million times but don't remember his name. Sam Worthington is in this. Kira Knightley, uh, Emily Watson, uh, Josh Brolin we mentioned. On and on. Oh, right. Emily Wright, oh, right, of course. friggin' Robin Wright. I love Robin Wright, the Princess Bride, uh, and a bunch of other stuff that isn't meant for teenagers. Um, so, fantastic. Just a phenomenal cast. I, I don't know what went wrong. I don't understand. I mean, 
book. <laughs> it is absolutely phenomenal to look at. I saw, did you see it in 3D? I think we saw it when it was only in 3D. Same here. Yeah, okay. So I don't need 3D. The hell with that. It's just more of my money going out, and it's not usually worth it. And I, and I can't imagine it was that much better in 3D than it would have been in 2D. But, so, phenomenal to look at, quite aside from the, the extra dimension we were enjoying. Um, those vistas, they, there was so much, like, like my brain couldn't comprehend the scope sometimes of what I was seeing. It was so big. Um, <clears throat> so that, uh, yeah. that was that part of it. And every once in a while, like I would see something that would give it scale, but I still couldn't wrap my head around like how big, what, uh, what I was, what I was seeing was. And I think they were, I don't know that they were necessarily at Everest and they certainly weren't at those heights that they were at, but, um, they definitely were out doing a lot of their own climbing and a lot of, you know, I'm sure there was some complicated CG. I didn't see a lot of seams there, a lot of, uh, you know, FX seams. No, Did you? It no, was, no, it was no. beautiful. It was, it was beautiful. I've been trying to say that, uh, <laughs> sorry. That, uh, stop yeah, talking. No, I thought, uh, it was absolutely seamless, uh, how they, how they integrated the localized action with the larger effect. Yeah. It never once, it never once looked as fake as we're used to seeing it look. <laughs> yeah, and you see, there's there's nothing, there was nothing, like, um, wrong with the action, like we, like we were saying. It all looked great, and I thought it was all, like, shot well and, 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 and cut well. I, I think, <clears throat> I yeah, think for... Yeah, but really poorly written. <laughs> well, I think for me, my, my biggest problem just came with really investing in these characters and the choices that they were making and they're not characters they were people who made those choices right. and just just because they're people and just because it's true it doesn't mean i have to feel that the way they're acting is admirable or something that i want to engage in um i think they did a good job with casting a lot of well-known people in parts of characters that were not necessarily going to live. So you couldn't tell who was going to live and was going to die by the way they cast it. Not by the casting, no. no. But uh, but there was some of the worst telegraphing in the script I've oh, seen in a long time. man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. I mean, there's, you know, a character coughs in the first act, and I go, well, I don't care what. That guy's not going to be seen again. You know, um... Ooh. You know, like, hey, I've climbed seven of the eight peaks of the world. Okay. <laughs> right. See you so, on the other side. Right. I, uh, so I just, there, was, there wasn't a sense of, like, suspense or tension for me because I, cause I just never really properly engaged. Well, and, I knew the story going into it, and I was expect. I mean, I, okay. I, I kind of knew how a lot of things were going to play out. Um, so it wasn't... I didn't have that dilemma so much. I was just more expecting, because I had already judged these people before, <laughs> before they I had, ever walked in. They had so, been prejudged by you. All right. No, well, I mean, I, I mean, I read Krakauer's book, right. which is amazing, right. and that gives a much more horrifying and emotionally account engaging of what, account of what happens. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, because the whole thing was that he was originally up there to write a piece critical of the commercialization of Everest. Right. 
he was he was he was sort of along for the ride to do that. Not along for the ride because he's he's also, he's also a climber, right? But um, you know that was supposed to be the the outcome of that. Yeah, trip. he sort of had an ulterior motive being there. You know, the climbing was incidental. But he, to well, the... he was open about it. Right. Well, no, and he was open about it, and they and they commented on it in the book, in the movie. So it wasn't you know that was acknowledged. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, so I was actually just more to see how they were going to uh, handle the the scope of it, and uh, and and some of the more precarious moments, and uh, and for, and in that sense, for me, it kind of uh, it almost I almost want to say it peaked early, um, because the the most shocking and horrifying thing in the movie to me yeah. is that we can we can get a we can get, you know, GPS working up there, and, <laughs> right. and satellites, yeah. and, and 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 espresso makers, but we still we're still working with two steel ladders tied together, yeah, so that you can cross the gorge of infinity. I mean, what the <laughs> fuck? Yes, seriously, yes. there's nothing be- nothing better than that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that scene when, when, when Brolin's going across and in the background, just that whole chunk of wall falls yes. away. Yes. That was incredible. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I guess for the rest of it, I, in spite of the, uh, of the, the telegraphing script, um, I, I have to say that the, it was well directed in the sense that it didn't over dramatize the people who just sort of, you know, took a walk off a cliff or right, rolled right. over and <clears throat> vanished. You know, yeah. it, was, it was very matter-of-factly done. With, and and that's part of the whole... music being intrusive or anything. I right. just remember the wind. That matter-of-fact nature of it is part yeah. of part of the horror of it, yeah. certainly. Um, but um, the thing is, is that that they are all stepping out there engaging in an activity which I think someone says from the very beginning that essentially, or at the very beginning, essentially the act of climbing up the hill is killing you because of what uh, the, the yeah. altitude does to the human body. Right. And so they are all essentially, it is possible for people to go up and come down and not die. But the process of going up is, in fact, putting your body under incredible stress and doing terrible things to it. And so somebody who chooses to do that, not forced to, but but wants to, is making a kind of commitment I don't really understand. It's not the same thing as going up and jumping out of an airplane with a parachute, which 99.9999999999% of the time is going to open. Yeah, I have no problem with that. Um, there I, have, are... I have no worries with those people because you can't risk anybody to rescue someone whose parachute doesn't open. Right. And, uh, yeah, yes, good point. But also that there's much more of a guarantee that you're going to land okay or or skiing or anything, really, any anything that sort of has an extreme element to it. Um, but that, to me, is like a whole other thing. So, so when a character like the one that Jake... When a character like the one that Jason Clark plays, um, 
makes the decision to go help John Hawks get up the extra couple of feet. Now, here's the thing. Looking at John Hawks at that point, there's every chance that the trip down would have killed him even if they'd turned around right there. Right. That guy was a goner. Yes, he was. He had another 350 feet to go, whatever the fuck it was. Spoiler alert, and it's a fucking book, and I'm just going to talk about it. So, um... So the choice to take him those extra feet, which every step of which had an element of danger in it for him, the Jason Clark character, an additional element of danger, um, just so that this guy who's probably going to die in the next, you know, two hours anyway, can, can do so with the sense that, hey, I made it. Right. Made what, you fuck? Right, you killed made me, but what? I made yeah. it. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Don't let him get his little thing or get him up there and say, cheers, it's been great and get the fuck out. Because you know what? You got a wife and you got a kid coming. And in the end, your decision was essentially that I think it's more important for the John Hawks guy to die feeling a sense of accomplishment than it is for my fucking daughter to grow up with a father. I think they should have um, they should have brought him to the top and left him there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Everyone yeah. carry him up, leave him, let's get the hell down. But even that's a waste of time. He should have just said, tough shit, you didn't make it, let's go. Um, and so I don't have sympathy for him. And right, I have some, these people. Right. I have some sympathy for his wife and for his daughter. I mean, you notice that they, that they bring up that daughter at the end in the postscript because, like, that's the only person in the whole goddamn thing that you can go that is a truly a victim of this quote-unquote tragedy. The tragedy is that you guys don't know how to make a fucking decision. Yeah. Um, it was also a, a tragedy that they copped out of uh, dealing with the child earlier. Right. Yeah, they bring it up just at the... It just all... Uh, anyway, uh, I felt like it was just sort of amateurishly executed, even while it looked fantastic. I felt like those actors were largely wasted. I didn't feel like characters had multiple colors to them or anything they just no not at all you know and if you saw the read the book and said that it was really fantastic and horrifying i can only imagine how much more disappointed you were than i was well the book's harrowing because it's it's i mean it's it's you're locked into a first person narrative so you know just the fact that you're in this you know in this guy's head every step of the way literally yeah it's um you know you 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 can't help it. You're you're engaged, right? But, right. Um, but it's incredibly well written, uh, and it's yeah, it it, it it makes an impact. Having known nothing about it, if I had seen this, yeah, you know, like I'm almost grading it on a curve. Yeah. Because no, I understand, but I saw it, and I'm essentially agreeing with you. Yeah. In fact, I probably, given that you read the book and were that affected by it, I probably like this one a little bit more than you do, and I don't like this one. Not with that cast. Not with that cast. Yes, there you have it. Um, that yeah, that's Everest for for you. That was a, a yeah. quick one. That was bonus content. That's what we in the business are gonna call bonus content. Um, all right, so that's good. Value. <laughs> yes, uh, I want to say one thing though. Bradley Cooper. Yes, I'm saying Bradley Cooper because he was the third part of the A Place Beyond the Pines trip. Right. Right. And I had forgotten before. While you were talking, his name suddenly popped into my head. Um, my useless, old, hairless head. 
Um, <clears throat> so that's cool. Uh, how about uh, trailer talk? Um, I think we are both anticipating uh, the Revenant. Yes. And although uh, I'm 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 immediately I'm already disheartened and dismayed that uh, it's being released like what January third. I mean, man. Well, I'm sure it's going to come out for 15 how, minutes before that. How to how, how to start off the? You think? Yeah, are so they, they can. Do, oh, yeah, they, yeah. They want to be involved in the Oscars. There's no way they're making that, and they don't want to taste the Oscars. Oh, okay, they're going to come okay. out. For no, a week I, I thought then. it was getting done because it was like, oh, maybe it's too weird. And uh -oh. I didn't wanna... Well, now you're scaring me. No, I don't know. Well, isn't it, isn't it isn't January normally the? Uh... Yeah, I'm going to pull up my uh, pull something up and look it up here while you talk a little bit about your feelings about or anticipation for the Remnant, the Revenant. <laughs> Sorry, uh, the Remnant. Um, the remnant of the evening. Um, it uh, <clears throat> it looks well. It looks dark and weird, but and the fact that it's old, it's it's oldie timey. Yes. Uh, it uh, I don't know. It has potential. I like I like seeing Leo be mean. Yes. Yes. Um, in fact, I sort of believe him. Often I, when he tries to act like an actual person, I don't really believe him very much, like a grown-up oh, person. What kind of beef now do you have about <laughs> uh, He just reads as, as very youthful to me eternally. And so when he grows his little beards and he, you know, adds a swagger, I often don't quite uh, buy into it. But, you know, him and Tom Hardy, they're going to be fantastic. Oh, my God. And Domhnall Gleeson is also in it of... Uh, 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 Ex Machina recently uh, and many other stuff too but I saw him in Ex Machina I liked him a lot there he's a very likable guy uh, oh and Will Poulter is in it who was fantastic in well I mean I thought he was fantastic he's in those sort of run out of the woods in the maze what is it the maze uh, maze runner he's in that series but, uh, but run he out was, of the woods in the maze yeah run out of the woods in the maze he was also in um Oh my God! It's so terrible of me that I can't remember any of these things. It was a comedy with, um, uh, oh, we're we're the Millers, we're the Millers, with uh, Jennifer uh, Aniston and Jason Sudeikis and Emma Roberts. He was great in that movie. If you haven't seen that, I sort of say go ahead and see it. It's yeah, I think it's pretty funny, uh, and there's some really uh, terrific moments in there. I don't know. Do you see comedies a lot? I don't really get the sense of you as a a comedy watcher um, or modern comedies anyway when 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 one seems to break the mold or or register on a, in a broad way with people uh, yeah I, I check it out and oh okay fairly, it's like i've seen bridesmaids i've seen the first hangover movie but I'm okay not, i was gonna you ask say, you. you say to me we're the millers and i'm like Eh. Yeah, that rings a bell. That's one of those uh, family dynamics. That's that's not fair. Like a family movie, but I mean, like they, uh, it revolves around a family. Right, right. Uh, sort of, but it's not really. But in any case, uh, <laughs> uh, Jason Sudeikis. Nobody cares about this, least of all you. Jason Sudeikis is a pot dealer. He has to do a job for one reason or another. And in order to cross over the... the yeah, this matches with Sicario. It's perfect. In order to cross the Mexican-American border, he has to invent a family. So he gets... He puts together some different people that he knows to pretend to be his wife and two kids. And they jump in a uh, RV and they make a road trip together. But they are essentially not a family. 
their uh, criminals masquerading as a family. And then somehow, in a way, they become a family. And scene. Okay. Um, going said, back to the... <laughs> going back to The Revenant, uh, yes. that trailer, just on the trailer talk part of it, yeah. looks... Uh, is fantastic. It looks absolutely great to me. Yeah. Uh, I wish I hadn't seen as much of the trailer as I had. Well, I just closed but, my eyes after. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. After I did. about 30 seconds. I don't know. <laughs> not like 15 minutes. But yeah. I, That's so funny. Well, all of these trailer conversations were based on what we heard. Um, <clears throat> that is funny. Um, and so anyway, that was. Um, yeah. So that, that was, was that was the revenant, and I wanted to say just while we're talking about, it, I was at the theater uh, with my uh, my dear wife um, the other day, and yesterday actually we went to see uh, Nightmare Before Christmas at the El Capitan, and uh, and they ran a couple trailers ahead of that, and recently I had seen I don't know if it was yesterday or not, probably not yesterday, I had seen Our Brand Is Crisis, the trailer for that, which I was right. devoutly going to avoid. And God damn it, if I don't want to see the movie now after seeing the trailer. Not quite exactly what I thought it was. And I thought, you know what? This might not be as uh, rep repellent to me as I thought it would be. So mm. uh, in that case, they may, have won, they may have won me over. But what I definitely saw, which I hadn't seen up to this point, and I watched just because of this show that we're doing, uh, was the, the Star Wars trailer, which I had avoided. <clears throat> until now ah, I have not yet seen it so so I won't go into it in any great deal but probably that's something we should touch on during trailer talk at some point before the damn movie comes out since that's yes. what that's what everyone's talking well, about I didn't, buy, I didn't pre buy a ticket so we probably won't be able to do the show until February so just jumping back to the to the revenant just for one second I want yeah, to please. I want to just uh, give a shout out to Alejandro Gonzalez in uh, who is the director of the the uh, Revenant, but who also directed Birdman and Babel and Beautiful, and is a, a an Oscar winner, and I am looking forward to seeing what he has uh, in store for us with this uh, particular movie. So that's trailer talk. Dun, 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 dun. And I think we are wrapping up, are we not? Yes, we must wrap up. <laughs> uh, go for it alright well just to recap on Sicario I think we're in agreement this was uh, <clears throat> this was a top notch uh, two fisted film that uh, worked on many levels for us and uh, at least for me allowed me allowed me the opportunity to forgive it for some of its trespassing <laughs> I like that uh, yeah, I thought that it was, uh, there are some fantastic, uh, scenes of action and there's stuff here that can, uh, make you think and that I certainly didn't walk out of the theater and stop thinking about it. It has stayed with me and haunted me in some ways. Uh, some of those scenes, particularly the climax of the film is much more uh, affecting than, uh, many other, uh, movies that I, that I've seen lately. And yes. all in all, I think it's, it's certainly worth watching. I did have some deep questions about the the structure and the motivations and some things, but a lot of that can be put off to the fact that I'm a, a tired old man that doesn't understand uh, modern day uh, situations. So I'll take the hit there. And, and I'm interested in, I don't know if I'll see Sicario too, but I'm interested in seeing other work that comes out of this, out of anybody who was in it and who wrote it or produced it, directed it, any of that. 
And I'll just go on the record of saying I'm already disappointed there's a sequel. <laughs> it's time again to say goodbye. Actually, it's past time. This has been quite a long one. We'd like to thank you for listening to Hollywood Rx. The doctors are out.